Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish Eat Repeat. Guys, I have exciting news to share today. Today was the first middle school track meet, which meant today is the first time I ever got to watch Ben compete and run in track. So you've heard me talk about the older two boys and how they compete at track meets, but today was Ben's turn and it was amazing. He ran the mile, he ran uh, the 4 by 4 relay, and it was just so exciting to watch him give it 100%. He always does. He's like, he's my kid that, you know, when, whatever sport he's playing, he will sacrifice himself for the game, which just makes it fun to watch. Makes it also very scary and terrifying because you're always holding your breath to see if he'll get hurt but thankfully track is not a contact sport and um, I foresee him him staying pretty healthy throughout the season but it is just amazing I keep saying that word amazing just so much fun watching this group of kids you know go out there give it their all it was a gorgeous day to be outside And it just really brings back fun memories of my own track seasons. I know I'm going back to high school, which was like 20 years ago. But I just, I love to see my kids having that same response to a sport that I had. So it was a great day. And you know what? It's going to be a great week because I have another track meet tomorrow for the high school team. And then the boys, the older boys have an invitational on Saturday for another track meet. So that's three track meets in one week. So if you love track, you are like, wow, she is so lucky. And if you don't like track, you're like, eh, it's kind of boring to me, but I am sitting here in my glory. I am just loving and soaking it all in because I know that this time is short and before I know it, they're going to be leaving, but we're not going to talk about that because in my head, they're going to stay forever and I'm okay with it. Today's topic, we're not talking about track, believe it or not, although I could keep going, but I won't. All right, today's topic is why giving the advice, eat less, move more, doesn't work. It sounds simple though, in theory, right? Just eat less and move more. Isn't that how most people just lose weight? Just eat less, move more, makes sense. You know, it's almost as if, huh, now that's something I haven't tried before, right? When you dumb it down to that simplicity, when that somebody gives you that advice, like, oh, have you tried eating less? No, I have not thought about that. You know, it, that advice is not helpful. And we're going to go through why it's not helpful today and why it doesn't work. So again, some of these concepts are like, this should work. And I think that's why we get so frustrated because we can logically understand just eat less and move your body more and everything should work. 
But what we're missing are those real life struggles that get in the way of eating less and moving more. So that's what we're going to actually dive into today is what are the real life struggles that aren't just excuses, but actually prohibit you from eating less and moving more, which is ultimately the goal, but these things get in the way. So let's talk about what gets in the way and what to do about it. All right. So let's first just start from the food side of things. Just eat less. What are some of the real life struggles that I see in my office all the time that you may face, that I face, that makes eating less more difficult? Well, let's just start with portion sizes, right? The portions that we are served at restaurants, by family members, when we go out, are way too big, right? The thing with portion sizes is when we go to another establishment, like to a restaurant, we assume that the portion that they put on the plate is the appropriate portion to eat. And that's just not even true. I told you one time I went to a, a barbecue place up in Syracuse and they served our dinner on platters. Platters! Not even plates, but platters. It was messing with my head when I was getting full. Looking at my plate, I wasn't even a quarter finished with my plate or my platter, I should say. And I kept thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm getting full already. And then I remembered, you're eating off of a platter. Of course, you're going to get full quicker than if you were eating off of a plate. You're not going to get as far because there's so much more food to eat. And so if a larger portion has been served to you, it would make sense that you may think you need to eat that larger portion. Or if you're at a restaurant and you have the thought you don't want to waste food because that is how you were brought up, you're more likely to finish a larger portion because it's what's in front of you and you don't want to waste that. So I think we need to really, you know, at least call out that portions have gotten so large over the past 20 years. Uh, We're eating from larger plates. What used to be a small is no longer a small, right? I took the girls, um, they wanted to go get Slurpees the other day. It was so hot. We were outside. I told them we can get Slurpees, but we have to walk to Wawa. We're not going to get in our car. So we walked a mile to get to Wawa. We got the Slurpees and they immediately wanted to grab the large. The large was huge. And I was like, no, 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 we're getting smalls. And the small was like 16 ounces. So even you may be thinking to yourself, well, I'll get the small because that will be healthier. But really, smalls are what previously were larges. I had a girl in the office the other day, and she's like, well, I got a medium blizzard because at least it wasn't a large. I was like, yeah, but the medium blizzards are really, really big. Like maybe try the minis. The minis are what a small really is. But now we've just completely adjusted our words for sizes 
and we are just eating more and more. So that makes things really challenging for people, especially when they're trying to do better. Like this girl was all proud of herself. I ordered the medium. I didn't get the large, but the medium wasn't medium. The medium was still really, really big if you looked at the amount of calories and the amount of fat and sugar that was in that blizzard. And that's confusing, especially when you're doing your best. You're really trying hard. So this, just this in itself, has made things really challenging for clients because they're trying to make the right choice, but the world is not making it easy for them right? Um, Another factor that influences our food and can make things challenging is just our food environment in general. Like how close do you live to fast food chains? How close do you live to restaurants, right? What is the accessibility of those locations? When I grew up, I remember that restaurants closed. Like they closed at eight or nine o'clock, Grocery stores, they closed, right? Eight o'clock maybe. Now, grocery stores are open all night. Restaurants, fast food establishments, open all night. Like we have access to food like we never have in the past. If it was 11 o'clock and you were hungry and you didn't have food in your house 20 years ago, 40, well, maybe let's say 30 years ago. I forget how old I am. 30 years ago, you didn't have a choice. You went to bed hungry. You had to wait until the next morning for the store to open so you could get food again. Right? We know through research that the closer the food is to you, the more likely you are to eat it. Right? Think of the candy dishes at work. Right? If that candy dish is within arm's reach, you are more likely to grab it. If you're sitting on the couch at night watching TV with your family and your kid sitting next to you is munching on potato chips, how easy is it for you to just reach into that bag and grab them? If the kid never brought the chips in the living room in the first place, you might not be as likely to go get up and get the chips. But because it's sitting right next to you, it's really difficult because it's so convenient right? This is why we tell everybody, make sure you put your fruit bowls out on the counter. Make sure you have your vegetables prepped and accessible. You want to make things, the good stuff, as convenient as possible so you're more likely to grab it and make the stuff that, you know, maybe more unhealthy, harder to get to. I had a client one time, she used to watch her grandson and after, well, she used to watch him after school. And she wanted to always offer him a snack, but she knew those snacks were really tempting for her. So she put them in a bin, like in the back of her garage, up high, that you had to climb up a ladder, just a couple rungs, to get to the plastic bin, to get to the the single serving bags of chips. Now she said there was no way she was climbing on the ladder, but her grandson loved that part of the adventure to get the snack. She made it so inconvenient that it made it harder for her to gain access to that food. So the question is, what does your access to food look like? Do you have those good healthy foods prepped and ready to go so you're more likely to grab them? Or do you have the 
unhealthier foods accessible? You know, do you have the baked goods sitting on top of the stove? Do you have um, bags of chips or, I don't know, cookies sitting out on the counter? And then every time you walk past them, you're wanting to eat some, right? Make sure you're putting those other foods, the unhealthier foods, away in cabinets. Put them on the top shelf. Put them on the bottom shelf. Just that little bit of work to get to it may be the deterrent to eating it. All right. Um, another thing that makes foods uh, challenging is just the abundance of food options, right? We have so many options available. Like, do you remember going to restaurants and they had like four or five things to order? Now there's pages and pages of ingredients. Grocery stores. Grocery stores used to be like six aisles. No, I'm exaggerating. I think the grocery store that I grew up going to had maybe, I don't know, 18 aisles. I mean, it was a fairly large grocery store. It was like the main grocery store in our area. Now you compare that to like a Wegmans or, you know, these big giants and all these really large superstores, Walmarts. You're not talking about 18 aisles. You're talking about like 36 aisles, right? When you went to the cracker section of the grocery store, it was three crackers. Do you want Ritz? Do you want oyster crackers? Or do you want saltines? Now we have an entire row dedicated to crackers. When you have more options available, you don't hit flavor fatigue as quickly, Right? It's just easy to bounce around from food to food, especially when you have so many different flavors to choose from. I notice this a lot when I come home from the grocery store. Like My kids eat probably, uh, I don't want to exaggerate here because that's not fair, but if I'm not monitoring them, they can eat 20% of my groceries within the first couple hours of me bringing the food home. Right, because there's so many things to pick from. Oh, let's have a handful of pretzels and let's cut some cheese up and let's eat the popcorn and let's go um, eat, oh goodness, let's make a sandwich. Let's have this bowl of cereal because this is a brand new cereal flavor, right? They just bounce around from food to food because they're just so excited that there's a lot of options. And we didn't used to have a ton of options. And the more options we have, the more likely we are to test all of them, right? Same thing when you go to a party. The more people that are at a party, the more food options that will be available. And so you tend to eat more because your interest is peaked. You want to try all sorts of different things and have lots of different experiences. So food abundance has made things trickier. Um, one last thing that can make food really, really challenging. Why eating less just isn't a simple solution is who in your family is going to the grocery store and who in your family is doing the cooking. Now, in my house, I do probably 90% of the grocery shopping. Jim goes to Costco, but Jim doesn't get meals at Costco. He just gets a couple random items. And we always have this argument because he's like, what do you need to go to the grocery store? I just went to Costco. I'm like, but you got nothing at Costco. You got a pack of blueberries. You got some avocado cups, avocado mash. And you got some chicken sausage 
and you, I don't know, got granola bars for the boys for track. Like that, I can't do anything with those foods. Yes, you spent like $150 on like five items, but I can't make that into a meal. I still have to go to the grocery store and do the majority of our shopping for the week, right? But luckily I do the shopping. So I'm in charge of what comes into the house, what ingredients, and that's very helpful. Some of you don't have that luxury, Some of you, your spouse or your significant other may be the one going to the grocery store and he or she may not share in your same health goals. And when you don't have access to the foods that are healthiest, you struggle. Another thing that I hear in my office is, you know, if a struggle is if you don't do the cooking. If somebody else is doing the cooking and they're preparing foods with more oils or sugars or salt, that can make things challenging. And maybe you work late. So by the time you get home, it doesn't, it doesn't work with your schedule for you to do the cooking. Like it has to be on the other person. And we want to be so quick to blame this on excuses, but these are real life challenges. And this is why, just one of the many reasons why I love working at Body Metrics. Because... We look at your lifestyle, we look at your preferences, we look at your family dynamics, we look at your health goals, and we help you create a plan with all this in mind. If somebody came into my office struggling with um, wanting to lose weight and their spouse constantly went to the grocery store and brought home all this food. Their kids sat on the couch and ate junk in front of them all the time. They, you know, go out to eat because, you know, it's just their family and their kids are in so many different sports and activities. And it's hard for them to figure out what portion sizes are when they're not at home. And all I told them was, well, you just need to eat less. Like that would not be helpful. We need to look at all of these challenges and come up with practical solutions to work through them. And that's the benefit of working with a dietitian and especially one that works at Body Metrics because we not only understand what you're going through, but most of us live through it, right? We have dietitians of all ages in our practice uh, with all different preferences and experiences that is so helpful, right? If you are a young 20-year-old, you want to talk to somebody who understands the challenges of young 20-year-olds. If you are a mom of four and your kids are picky and you're exhausted every night at five o'clock, you want to talk to a dietitian who has kids and understands those challenges because they are probably more likely to come up with solutions that will be helpful. Right? That's the benefit, number one, of working with a team. You can find the, your people, but we live the same challenges. I will never sit here and talk to you like I have figured it all out. I figured some things out, but there is still a lot that I'm learning through trial and error. And if I can maybe offer some suggestions of what has worked for me or what has worked for some other clients, I want to offer them to you because maybe they'll work for you too.
So that is why just telling somebody to eat less won't work. These are not excuses. These are real life struggles. Now let's talk about things from the move more side of things. Because again, well, can't you just move more? That will fix it. Not helpful. So let's talk about the factors that influence activity. Why are we not moving more? Well, let's go with some of the obvious things. Let's talk about inventions, like cars, right? It would be so easy for me to tell the girls if they want to go get a Slurpee, yeah, hop in the car, we'll go get one. But it was a mile away. Like there is no reason why we have to necessarily jump in the car if something is within a mile drive, right? Today, I had to return some library books. Now, I live close to the library. I live about a mile, maybe a little mile and a quarter. I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk to the library and return these books and walk back. There's no reason why I can't do this. The only thing that could influence that is time, if I didn't have time to do that. But I was like, you know what? I need to work out anyway. This will be perfect. But cars, transportation, we just take advantage because it's just easy, right? We don't walk as much. Uh, we don't bike as much. You think about how many kids walked and biked to school 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, versus how many kids walk and bike now. So here are the challenges that face that because I know what you're thinking. Well, it's not safe, right? People aren't paying attention on the road anymore. I'm still driving with Parker. He did better today, right? We, I gave him a 93 out of 100, which he thought was too low, but um, he's doing better. Slowly, slowly, slowly. But no way. I, he doesn't pay attention. He's not where he needs to be to be a safe driver. So, you know, having your kids go play when there's, you know, 16-year-olds driving cars, I get it. There's safety. There's safety with where you live. Maybe, you know, the area that you live has a higher crime rate and you don't want your kids just outside. You don't feel comfortable being outside. You don't feel comfortable going for a walk. You know, I have so many clients that are like, yeah, I, I don't want to walk at night and I don't feel comfortable being by myself. That is a deterrent to exercise. The weather. Oh, the weather. <sighs> Then one of the number one reasons why people say they can't exercise is because of the weather. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's too windy. It looked like it was going to rain. Um, it's too humid. It's what else is left? Because I hear it all the time. It's too sunny. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too rainy. It's too windy. In Pennsylvania, where I live, there are not many days that are 70 and sunny. The few days that it is, is not enough to overcome the days that it isn't. <laughs> so weather is always a big factor. And I try to explain that. Like it's always going to be a factor. If you want it to be sunny and 70, then you're going to have to move. Because that is not the climate of Pennsylvania. But we use it as a barrier, right? If you live in a place, then the conditions are not what you need them to be to feel safe. That can be a barrier to you exercising. Um, past injuries, right? A lot of us are 
you know, especially if you're getting older. And when I say older, I'm talking in your mid forties, we're starting to notice knee pain and back pain and shoulder pain. And it prohibits us from being active the way we want to be. (laughs) Just last week, we went up to the track. Um, I think it was actually on Easter and, um, Jim raced Ben in a 200. Jim, well, let's just say that Jim still has very fond memories of racing people on the playground in elementary school. And so he still sees himself as the fast kid at Spring City Elementary. So he challenged Ben to a race because Ben just started track and Ben beat him. And it's funny because I tell people, I'm like, oh yeah, Ben just raced, or Jim just raced Ben at track. And he was, and everyone's like, is Jim okay? Did he hurt himself? (laughs) I'm like, no, he's fine. But, you know, we sometimes still see ourselves as that 18 year old, that 20 year old that was able to do everything and not get hurt. And that's not true as we get older, right? We have a, we get hurt much more easily and that can prohibit us from being active. Um... How you slept the night before, that absolutely can impact your activity, your motivation for moving, Uh, your time. How much time do you have, right? When I remember when I was a trainer in college, I can just hang my head in shame when I think about what I used to say to people. I used to tell them, you need to make this a priority, right? You know, your health is a priority. You need to get to the gym. You need to work out right? Meanwhile, these were stressed out parents with three kids trying to work a full-time job. You know, we, I would tell them, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day. No, we don't. We do not have the same 24 hours. The 24 hours I had in a day as a single college student is very different than the 24 hours that a working parent has. We do not have the same 24 hours in a day. And time can be a legitimate restriction to being able to work out. Now you can go ahead and be like, well, if it was a priority, that's what I used to say to people. But then I had kids, then I got a job, and then I realized how challenging it is. So that can be a struggle. Um, Being able to afford a gym, right? Being able to afford groceries right now is even a luxury, but being able to afford the gym. So if you don't feel safe in your neighborhood to, you know, maybe walk outside and move your body and take advantage of a free resource, then your only alternative is to pay for a safe place. And that may na- that may not be accessible in the moment. There's also weight stigma when you go to gyms. I know a lot of my clients just don't feel comfortable going into a gym. They feel like everybody will be looking at them. They're very self-conscious of their body. They're unsure of how to use the equipment, so they don't want to do things wrong or look stupid in front of others. Um, there's a lot going on. You know, somebody who is maybe a more, we'll say, quote, normal weight because they fall into the normal BMI, they may not have the same thoughts as somebody who is morbidly obese trying to walk into a gym. So again, real life struggles. We can't just tell somebody to eat less and move more. We have to look at all of these things that contribute to a person's lifestyle. We didn't even get into 
the mental and emotional part, what people are dealing with, whether it's anxiety or depression, um, their past habits, what they've done previously, all of these things combined create the habits of a person when it comes to their dietary choices. And so I just want to reiterate again that looking at all these factors, taking all of them into consideration is of the utmost importance if you are going to actually help somebody. This is why it's really important to go to somebody that has credentials after their name because they have actually learned this stuff. Um, hopefully, they may have even you know, lived through some of this stuff where they can give you not only suggestions that are healthy for you now, but also healthy for you in the future. I could help people lose weight and lose a lot of weight very quickly, but it wouldn't be healthy for their body. You know, when I look at somebody and, or work with somebody and they come to me with their health goals, I not only want them to be healthy now, but I want to make sure that their bodies are healthy into the future. So I'm not going to compromise my suggestions to help somebody reach a goal faster if it means it's actually going to put them in a worse spot a few decades in the future. I won't do it, right? That's not fair. That's not health. That's not what the client works. Oh, that's not what the client wants because it doesn't work. All right. So at Bodymetrics, we will never, ever be a one-size-fits-all solution, we take all of these factors into consideration. And if you want to work with a dietitian at our office, then just go to our website. Go to bodymetricshealth.com. Learn more about us. Go to um, our staff page. Read the bios. Read about all the different dietitians. See which one that you would connect with. And set up an appointment. We would love to meet with you. All right. Now, I do want to make a quick note about some excuses that we need to look deeper into. All right. So, yes, we talked about real life struggles that aren't just excuses. But for some of you, you just have excuses that we need to work through from the mindset side of things. All right. Excuses like, I deserve this at night, so therefore I'm going to have it. Um, you know, what, one won't matter. It's not that big of a deal, right? We justify or rationalize our decisions. Um, sometimes we say, I don't care. I just want to do what I want to do, right? I deserve to do it. Um, or if we mess up, sometimes we hear ourselves saying, well, you already screwed up, so you might as well keep going. That all or nothing thinking. Sometimes our excuses are legitimate real-life struggles that we have to work through and find workarounds. And sometimes our excuses, they give us more insight. Well, I should say they're actually a cover-up for what's really going on. And the three things that can be hidden are fear, confusion, or lack of commitment. So a lot of times when we start making rationalizations or like you already screwed up, so you might as well keep going, that's fear talking. That's fear saying we weren't able to be successful last time 
and I'm not sure if I'm going to be successful again. So I'm just going to let me mess this up so I don't, how do I want to say this? Let me just take care of this now before I get hurt again from not being able to follow through. That could be a reason. I don't want to say that's always the reason, but that could be a reason. Um, sometimes confusion, right? Confusion would be like, you know, I, I don't know what to do, so I'm just not going to try. I, I had a client one time, and she's like, well, this weekend is going to be really hard because I'm going to be at a party, so I'll probably just start again on Monday. I'm like, what? We're not starting again on Monday. We're going to figure out the party because chances are this is not your only party you're ever going to go to. But it was, there was just genuine confusion. Well, I don't know how to do it, so I'm just going to take a break, do what I always do, and then get back on track on Monday. She just didn't have the information to get through the party, right? And once I was able to like pinpoint the areas that she could control and that she could still make good choices being at a party with lots of food, she felt a lot more educated and, and empowered and did a great job, right? And sometimes our excuses are actually just a lack of commitment. We don't want to do the thing we say we want to do. Like a lot of people come in, it's like, well, I know I should lose weight. I'm like, well, but do you want to? And if you don't want to, that's okay. But, you know, trying to tell yourself you've got to work on something that you don't really even want to work on is just going to cause problems. And then you're going to be frustrated with yourself because you're not following through with it. But it's because you have no motivation to actually work on the, work on the goal. So just being honest with yourself. Is this something you want to do? And if the answer is no, okay. There's no expectation of when you have to try again, if you have to try again, when you have to try again. So sometimes excuses can be struggles that we can work through. And sometimes excuses are just masking something a little bit deeper. But either way, we want to work through those thoughts so we can make sure that you are doing the things that you really want to do. And if you're struggling, if you're hitting a roadblock, how do we work around it? So again, I'm plugging body metrics today. I don't always do that. I, you guys have to give me that. I'm not marketing our business all the time, but today I am doing that because I just feel so strongly about it. We can help people. We've been helping people for 10 years now, and we will continue to help people for the next 10 years because we're passionate about what we do and because it works. And so if you'd like to work with us, visit us at bodymetricshealth.com, set up an appointment, and we will help you reach your goals too. All right, let's go to your recipe. Excuse me. This is actually a fairly simple recipe, and it's a cucumber yogurt sauce. So this is great, especially if you're looking for a nice dip for your summer vegetables. Uh, the warmer weather is coming. It's going to be summer soon, and you're going to need something to dip all that great healthy vegetables from your garden in. I know today I picked asparagus and it was, it wasn't as great as the track meat, but it was a close second. I love asparagus, especially out of the garden. So much fun to grow and it grows every year. 
such an easy thing to grow. Even if you don't have a lot of space, you just plant the asparagus. Don't pick it the first year, but then after that, pick it and it'll just continue to come back year after year after year. Really simple plant. All right, for this recipe, you're gonna need one cup of plain Greek yogurt, two tablespoons of olive oil, two tablespoons of minced fresh dill, one garlic clove minced, and one cucumber. You can peel it if you'd like, um, and then have it lengthwise. You can seed the cucumber if it's not already, um, and then shred it as well. All right, and then salt and pepper to taste. So you're gonna whisk your yogurt, oil, dill, and garlic together in a medium bowl until combined. Stir in the cucumber and season with salt and pepper to taste. And this sauce can be refrigerated uh, for up to a day. So you do wanna use it fairly quickly. You can substitute the dill for cilantro, mint, parsley, or tarragon, depending on what flavor you wanna go with. But I do think that cucumber and mint go really well together. I just said mint. Cucumber and dill, I'm sorry, I'm confusing you. Um, and that's it, that's your recipe for the week. All right, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.